Beloved, I greet you in the name of our risen Lord Jesus Christ. He who said in John eleven twenty five to 26, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live, even though he dies. And whoever believes in me will never die. And then Jesus asked, do you believe this? Can I ask you, at this stage of this message, do you believe this? Before we unite in prayer, just our text verse for tonight. A short verse, only 15 words. The book of Hebrews, chapter 9, verse 27. Hebrews 9, verse 27. All right, if we're ready, let us draw close to the Lord in prayer. Faithful Father, we draw near to you as we come to you in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, and in the power of the Holy Spirit. Lord, we want to thank you for the work on the cross. Lord, that you have granted us eternal life through the blessed work of your Son on the cross. Jesus, we thank you for your blood shed for us, your body bruised for us. Father, we pray tonight when we open the word, Lord, that through your Holy Spirit, you will open our ears and you will make our hearts to receive the word of God. Father, we pray that you will change us more and more every day unto the likeness of Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus, amen. Before reading Hebrews 9 verse 27, perhaps just a brief background. I've noted this morning much was said about the book of Hebrews. Perhaps the God has destined it to be so. The Hebrew book provides a series of contrasts between the good things of the Old Testament and the better things in Christ. Christ is our great high priest who once entered the Holy of Holies, Hebrews 9 verse 23. This new covenant that secures personal revelation of a Lord to every believer, Hebrews 8, 11. Further in Hebrews 9, in verses 11 to 28, where it's, the Bible speaks, the author of the Hebrew book speaks about the redemption that we have in Christ. And then it ends with verse 28, which is not our text verse. I'll come back. Verse 28. So Christ, having been offered, wants to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time, not to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly waiting for him. But then... Between this redemption message, there's another verse. 
that you can so easily have overlooked reading this good news about your redemption. Or you may have failed to grasp the whole meaning of this short verse. Let me read it, our text verse 927. And as it is appointed unto man once to die, but after this judgment. I'm going to repeat that. And as it is appointed unto man once to die, but after this judgment. This verse speaks of life, of a life we are living now, but it spans into all eternity. Hear the word of the Lord. This brings me to the theme of my message. Death, what then? Yes, we're all going to die. Death, what then? Unlike billions of inhabitants of our earth who may be thinking that after you have died, it's like an animal, nothing will be left. The death of this body is the end. The Bible teaches us that there is life after death. There is judgment. The Bible also in no uncertain terms teaches us that after death there is judgment awaiting earth dwellers and that we must stand before God to give an account of our lives. Whether you're a child of God or whether you have rejected God, the day will come that we will have to face our maker. Most people live in denial that death will never come. But sooner or later, dear brother and sister, young people, I'm talking to you as well tonight. Death comes to everybody. What is death? And is there really life after death? I immediately want to say, dear and well-meaning children of God, may differ about aspects of life after death, the resurrection and the judgment. Today, I'm not promoting the view of any scholar. I want to stay and toe the line as close as possible, because that's what I must do to the word of God. Hence, I will cite many verses. You don't have to take them down. If it's important, and I believe it is, I keep a script of all my sermons. Paul explains in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 17 to 20. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in sins. 18. Then those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in Christ we hope, that we have hope in this life only, we are of all people the most to be pitied. Verse 20, 
But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the firstfruits of those who have fallen asleep. I recommend everybody that you read chapter 15 of 1 Corinthians, chapter of more than 50 verses. I cannot cite them all. But nothing less and nothing more than that is the message of tonight. Even if I should make my best effort to fully grasp death, eternity, and judgment, it will always be beyond human comprehension. And our vocabulary cannot explain and is not contained in all the dictionaries of the world what all of that entails. But it's in the word of God. And in his promises, we have peace. And I'm going to say that from the Bible. It teaches us that we cannot know everything. Deuteronomy 29, 29. The secret things belong to the Lord our God. But the things that are revealed belong to us. And to our children forever, that we may do all the words of his law. You see, God gave us enough of what we must know now. And then 1 Corinthians 13 verse 12. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. Church, make sure, if you want to see it all, that you have been fully known. Let me start with a story that is well known to us, something that happened about 112 years ago, just more than 112 years ago. You all may recall that awful incident of April 14, 1912, when the HMS Titanic, the world's most luxurious passenger vessel, left from the port of Southampton in England for New York in the United States. Yes, it's said that someone in history have heard the ship captain, Captain Smith, saying, even God himself could not sink the ship. It was never confirmed, but I'm mentioning it, just in case it was said. Within two and a half hours, the world's then largest ship afloat, the most luxurious ship, with his 1,500 passengers, a vessel claimed to be unsinkable, had plunged to the bottom of the ocean. All but 705 of the 1,500 passengers and crew aboard perished. The builders of a luxury liner were so confident about the seaworthiness of this ship 
that they never deemed it necessary to have enough lifeboats with that ship. They only made provision for half of the passengers. It is difficult to comprehend how the owners and the ship captain could have thought that a human-made vessel, something invented by human beings, can be, for the lack of a better word, death-proof. No aeroplane, no nothing. God is in charge. The fate of the Titanic raises some compelling questions for us listening to this message today. What are the lessons to be drawn from this tragic event? And I want to say to the children, the teenagers, the youth, the average age of the people aboard the Titanic was less than 35 years. And the groups in which the most deaths have been reported was around the age of 5 and 25. And that is why this message, to you my boy, to you my girl, it's important. Also you have to listen. I'm asking, is this the same delusion that continues to live in the heart of mankind through all the ages? What could be more tragic in the life of man than living under the delusion that you are on a joyride and all the while beheaded for a disastrous end? Are you like the owners of and ship captain of the Titanic under the delusion that your ship, this life, will never sink? That the advances, advances made in science and in medicine will allow you not to face death. No, nothing of them will stop you no matter who you are, breathing your last breath. More than that, are you only half prepared? As were the passengers on the Titanic that was only fitted with half the lifeboats. Are you perhaps one of these saying, but you know, Perhaps I'll be there one day. I'm trying to go to church. I'm trying to be a good person. And after all, I'm not that bad. Beloved, I have news for you. None of our good works can bring us in the presence of God for eternity. And likewise, God will not look at our sins if you have accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior. You see, the captain of our life, Jesus Christ, is not short of lifeboats or life jackets. Finally, 
Are you sure that you have your life jacket on? Or will you be one of the passengers to be without a seat on the lifeboat when the voyage comes to an end, when you struck the iceberg? You see, death is inescapable. Death's arrows are sharp. Death's hand is unerring. It will go there where it must go. The giant stalks are unseen and none can resist or evade the ravage of death throughout this arena of conflict. We may weep, we may tremble, but we cannot escape its fury. Man has no power to ward off the stroke of death. With this tragic history of the Titanic in mind, I want to take you back to our text verse. And it's appointed unto men once to die, but after this judgment. Allow me to make four observations before we look at the application of this verse in our lives. First observation. Does the history of men terminate in the tomb? Is the grave a state of everlasting unconsciousness and forgetness? A form of total oblivion, not being aware of anything. The Bible is clear. When a person dies, the body of flesh ceases to exist. However, the rest of our spirit continues. The Bible also makes it abundantly clear that Jesus Christ offers you grace and paid the price. And you, by accepting him or rejecting him, will be the one responsible for where you will spend eternity. It's up to you. God offers you the choice. God invites you to him. Every Sunday when you're listening to his word, when his spirit is talking to you, will you obey him or will you reject the invitation? It's up to you. God offers you a choice. Echoing the words of Psalm 95 as cited again in Hebrews 4 verse 7b. Today, if you hear his voice, harden not your hearts. Today, when you hear his voice, harden not your hearts. Second observation. Life on earth is an opportunity to hear the gospel of good tidings. A preparation for what is to come. What you finally do with this message of tonight may determine your final destination. But God 
will never force us unto submission. If we choose to reject him, God cannot be blamed for our decision to live eternally apart from him. Third observation. For believers, life after death is an eternal life in heaven with God. For those who have not received Jesus Christ, life after death is an eternity in the lake of fire awaiting them. And I cannot be apologetic about this message of the Bible because that's a fact. And I have to believe the Bible. My fourth and last observation. The Bible mentions deaths. More deaths than just the demise of this body of flesh and blood. With our text covering now, hereafter, and eternity. It is necessary that we look at four deaths the Bible teaches us about. And I'm sure if we do a poll today, a random poll quickly, people around us in the street, most people will tell you, yes, I know, we're going to die. That is the death we know. The day the hearse will carry your remains away. But let us quickly look at four deaths the Bible is talking about. It's important for us to understand that. Do you know that you can already be dead in sin today? Sin has killed you already. Paul says, Romans 7, 9, I once was alive, then sin sprang to life, and I died. When Paul says, I died, he was not physically in the grave. His physical body has not died. Yet Paul died a death of some kinds because he said, I died. Romans 5:12. Through Adam, sin entered the world. And through sin, death passed on to all men because all have sinned. And if I say men, including women, everybody, it's a timeless principle stated in Romans 6.23. The wages of sin is death. God says to all, just as he spoke to Adam, he's speaking to you and me tonight. Genesis 2.17. But of a tree of a knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. For in that day you eat it, you shall die surely. You will be dead in your trespasses and sins. Ephesians 2.11 And you were dead in the trespasses and sins. Yes. Yes. We must point a finger, all of us, to ourselves. We all have sinned. And we all come short of the glory of God. But God provided Calvary. Let us look 
the second death. And that is the physical death most of us are acquainted with. And death, like I've mentioned, is a consequence of sin. Genesis 3.19 By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken. For you are dust. And to dust you shall return. The universality of death proves to be the universality of sin. Romans 5, 12 to 14. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men, because all sinned. While we are listening to this message, thousands of people will die. This year, 2022, the world's population has reached 7.97 billion. About two people on average die every second. And because you are only one of that 7.97 billion, you may think physical death is an event far off. I'm too young. I'm too healthy. It's for my neighbors. It's for the Van Amervis across the street. No, it's not somewhere far in the future. Your chance to suffer physical death tonight when you leave this building is as good as the chance of any of the other of these 7.97 billion people of the world. It is not only a statistical fact. The reality is confirmed by our text verse. We are all appointed to die. But then the death that we must all avoid. See, if you are, and that is eternal death. If you are dead in sin now and do nothing about it, like sickness of a body will eventually result in physical death. Your death in sin now will result in eternal death and can never, never be turned around. Paul, standing in the Areopagus in Acts 17, says the following. Verse 30. The times of ignorance God overlooked, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent. 31. Because he has fixed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by a man whom he has appointed. And of this he has given assurance to all by raising him from the dead. Verse 32. Now, I thought, let me mention this verse because even those days and today, people are still mocking about the reality of death. 
and eternity. 32. Now when they heard of the resurrection of the dead, some mocked, but others said, We will hear you again about this. This day, the day of judgment, also known as the final death, that cannot be turned around. I'm asking you tonight, dear brother, sister, are you like the mockers of Athens? The Bible has news for you. Judgment is indeed awaiting all of us. Eternal death is waiting. You have one chance to change it. Just as God determined the dates and places in Acts 17.26, He determined when judgment will occur. He will just based on what is right and wrong and not how people think they should live their lives. But how He intended in His word we should live our lives. Although we are not perfect, but through the grace of God, we have a good news. We can be made perfect. You see, the Son, God the Father has commissioned God the Son to judge. John 5, 22, 23. He will divide those who are saved from those who aren't. Matthew 25, 31 to 36. He will reward the works of those who are saved. 1 Corinthians 4, 5. He will determine the punishment of the unsaved. Revelation 20, 11 to 15. Jesus has the authority to judge. He is righteous as validated by the Father, raising him from the dead. And that gives us certainty. And then death to sin. I'm asking you, can there then be a good death? Yes. The answer is irrevocably yes. By accepting Jesus Christ as your Savior and no longer living in sin. 2 Corinthians 5.21 The penalty of breaking God's law was paid blotted out, nailed to the Christ, to the cross, Christ was made sin for us. The spiritual death, i.e. death, to sin that we now consider as the good death, you see, it solves the problem of the other two deaths i.e. dead in sin and dead in etern and eternal death. Paul tells, Paul tells Christians in Romans 6:11, consider yourselves to be dead to sin, but alive to God. Death to sin is the reversal of being dead in sin and alienated from the life of God. Death to sin is the death of the sinful self. That must die. 
Romans 6, 4. We have been buried with Christ through baptism into death. Baptism obviously does not bring us into physical death, eternal death, or death to sin. So the death we are baptized into is something else. Paul explains it in Romans 6, 6. Then what we go through, that when we go through a baptism into death, our old self is crucified with Christ. This death to sin brings us back to life with God from which we were cut off when we died in sin. Galatians 2.20 I have been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Before I continue to the application, I've said much. Like they say, let's just recap. And then we can continue to the application. Because after we have listened to all of this, if we don't apply it to our lives, then all of what was said would be in vain. Let us re recap. Not to lose the golden thread. One, sin came into this world. We are all born and received in sin. We, me, you, everybody. We are all spiritually dead. Unless you have been born again. Number two. There is life after death of this physical body. Whether you have been cremated, thrown into the sea, just disappeared. 1 Corinthians 15 explained this, that the resurrected body will be different from the body as we know it now. God He's going to give you a body that will have to face judgment. Our life in this body, whether you have accepted Christ as your Savior, will determine the outcome for you at judgment. And judgment will determine your final destiny. A, a life with God in His presence forever or a life away from the presence of God, you will not have the opportunity to be with God. It will be solid darkness and gnashing of teeth. Now, please bear with me attentively. If we look at five facts regarding our verse, what is the message for us living as human beings today. What is it that we must bear in mind during our walk here on earth? First fact, three words, it is appointed. It is appointed. In that verse, we find our first fact, that death is unavoidable. Unavoidable. 
Hebrew 9.27 says, is appointed. You might say, but I'm not a fool. You're stating the obvious. We all know that we will die. But yet, people don't live like that. You see, we have birth control. But we don't have death control. People never manage to invent that. I know that they can put your body in a freezer in the hope that they will can hope they can do something one day. But unfortunately, it's not that body that will stand before the judgment throne. Yes, the silver cord of all of us, not only us in the 70s and the 80s, of everybody, the silver cord will be loosed and we will fly away. Ecclesiastes 12, 6, 7 states it very clearly. A warning. In the Old Testament, before the silver cord is snapped, or the golden bell is broken, or the pitcher is shattered at the fountain, or the wheel broken at the cistern. Seven, and the dust returns to the earth as it was, and the spirit returns to God who gave it. Psalm 99, 9-10 For all our days pass away under your wrath. We bring your years to an end like a sigh. So many times I attended the funeral on Friday. Things happen suddenly. Verse 10 the years of our lives are 70. Many of us, yes, we are already in that bracket. Or even by reason of strength 80, yet their span is but toil and trouble. They are soon gone and we will fly away. You see the demise of this body of flesh and blood cannot be escaped. It's only the cause that can differ. The fact of a death of body is inescapable. You may say, this should have been a message for a funeral, yet it expresses the reality of everyday life. In fact, death has become so common in our TV rooms and all, way, all over that we have in fact become insensitive to it. But sooner or later, you, I, we must keep that personal appointment with death. The second fact that we have to remember to apply to our lives. You are no exception. Not you, 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 or anybody. Our text says it's appointed for men once to die. It does so generically with no sense of gender. 
race or age group. In other words, men. Here stands for all humankind, whether male or female, young or old, what race or your position or standing in life. You are no exception. You can replace this word with my name. As it is appointed for Len to die. Because the scripture applies to you individually and to all humankind. Nevertheless, we said before, most people live as if they were exceptions to the rule of death. Unless the second coming of Jesus Christ occurs in our lifetime, you cannot escape death. In all of human history, the Bible tells us of two exceptions. One was Enoch, Genesis 5, 23, 24. The other was Elijah, 2 Kings 1 and 11. At the return of Jesus Christ, there will be million more, millions more who will not see physical death as we know it. Hear the word of the Lord in 1 Thessalonians 4, verses 13 to 17. Paul says, But we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. 14. Since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. 15. For this we declare to you by a word from the Lord, that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will not Precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with a voice of an archangel, and with a sound of a trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we who are alive who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be always with the Lord. But even if you are one of the millions who will see the return of Jesus Christ, whatever your view around that, You cannot escape judgment. You see, if you have not reconciled with Jesus Christ in this life, you will proverbially jumping out of a frying pan into the fire. Nobody, nobody can escape judgment. 
The third fact, you only die once. You might find that strange. Not all, not all people think like that. When Hebrews 27 says, once, it brings home the fact that you don't get a second chance at life and death. It is a one-off of God. Tonight, this 3rd of September, the first Sunday of this spring, may be the day that the Lord is calling on you. People lightheartedly say, you only die once. I see it on the Land Rovers of people. They usually mean, live, be happy, drink and eat. Tomorrow you will die. Why not enjoying life? Yes, it's true. God doesn't want us to live an ascetic life, meaning a life locking ourselves away from society. No, he wants us to live this life to the fullest. God has never said that we cannot enjoy life, that we cannot be a passenger on a luxurious ship. But, but God wants us that if he is not in the center of all of this, or that if you are only half prepared, like the owners and the shipmaster of the Titanic, when disasters strike, then all that joy would bring you nothing. You can be on your own voyage, enjoy the good things, but listen to what the word of God is saying in Ecclesiastes 12, verse 13 to 14. And younger people, everybody, while you're enjoying your life, here it is. The end of a matter is, all has been heard. Fear God and keep his commandments. For this is the whole duty of man. For God will bring every deed into judgment. With every secret thing, whether good or evil, you, me, nobody can hide from God. Everything will be revealed on that day of judgment. Make sure, since you live and die at once, you should make of life what, it were meant to be, what you were meant to make of it. Surely, do not waste your life. It's a once-off, live as pilgrims of God in this world. The words, wants to die, and I just want to deal with a few fallacies. Contradict the theory of reincarnation. Other words, that we live successive earthly lives. The statement in John 3.21, you must be born again, is no support for reincarnation. A widely believed thing in our country as well. More and more people who grew up in Christian churches are starting to believe that and turning towards those religions. 
Jesus declared very clearly that the rebirth he spoke about was spiritual, not physical. Purgatory. To the Afrikaans people, vage vier. A, do a doctrine teaching a condition of process or place of purification or temporary punishment in which the souls of those who died in a state of grace will be made ready for heaven. It is not supported by the Bible. And why am I saying this? Jesus' sacrifice on the cross was a one-time event. And through his sacrifice, he paid the sins for his children once for all of us. Not once and for all. Once for all of us. If he paid this only once and it provided for redemption for believers, then by definition, he paid for all our sins that of humankind, past, present, and future. By his blood, Jesus has obtained for us eternal redemption. By faith in him, we immediately have this eternal life and are clean. Just as God's holy word says, he would not remember our sins. He will not remember our sins he would remember our sins no more. If he no longer rem remembers our sins, how is it that we must still be purified from them in life hereafter? In our first scripture reading from Luke, Luke clearly tells us that Lazarus was immediately in the bosom of Father Abram. In the same, and I'm not going to elaborate on what is the bosom of Father Abram and the paradise and all. We can have other sermons about that. I want to focus on the facts. In the same scripture, we are told that the rich man was immediately in a place of torment so severe that he even wanted to warn his brothers, his brothers still alive. This parable and many other verses in the Bible refutes purgatory, the soul sleep, annihilation. There are people who say, yes, you will be punished, but eventually there will be nothing left. You will, you will burn completely in eternity. No, I have not read it in my Bible with respect. Also reincarnation is refuted by this. And then another teaching. In fact, I know it very well. Souls wandering or waiting for any clergy to send them to go into eternal rest. All of this is not biblical teaching. Today is the day for you to accept Jesus Christ 
into your life. Don't be like the rich man who has discovered this too late. Fact number four, to apply to your life. Death is not the end. Our text verse says, and after this, it puts life into perspective and supplies tremendous hope in what otherwise would have been a fatalistic and depressing statement. If we all have died like the cattle of the field, can you imagine a world like that? An old wireless advertisement promoting road safety has said, death is so permanent. But in one sense, it's true, but death is not permanent at all. There is something after death. This is why many Christians speak of death as a sleep. And here I'm not referring to the doctrine of a sleep of a soul. Yes, the body, whether it be ash, dust, a mummy, a day is coming, it will be resurrected. 1 Corinthians 15. Physical death is merely a portal through which the soul passes into eternity. In eternity, there will be judgment as stated by nobody less than the Lord Jesus himself. There will be a resurrection of death and there will be judgment. John 5, 28 to 29. And he has given him authority to execute judgment because he is the son of man. 28. Do not marvel at this. For an hour is coming when all who are in the tombs will hear his voice and come out. Those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of judgment. Let there be no doubt. 1 Peter 1, 3, 4. Blessed is the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Christ from the dead. For to an inheritance imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, for you, for you, for me. Is the words and after this verse your fear or is it your blessed hope? You can decide. Paul was looking forward to that day. In fact, he was longing for that day, but he was not selfish. He said he must finish his work here on earth. For fact, the judgment, death, is your final destiny's door. In the words, and after this judgment, we find our fifth fact, 
the death is your destiny's door. There is no second chance. Those in Christ, Romans 8.1, there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. But it brings us to a question. How do you get into Christ? Galatians 3.26-29 25, but now that faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian, a fool. For in Christ Jesus we are all sons of God. For as many of us who were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. And also verse 28, this is neither Jew nor Greek nor Afrikaner nor Englishman nor white nor black no slave, no free. There is no male or female. Verse 27 it says, you are all one in Christ. In Revelation, John on the Isle of Patmos saw in verse 20, 14, death and Hades, can I say hell, were cast into the lake of fire. So the death that we can, yes we can, and that we must avoid, without any doubt, is eternal death, as represented in the vision of John. In verse Matthew 25, 41 to 46, then, this is now the Lord Jesus himself saying this, then he will say to those on his left, depart from me, you cursed, into eternal life, prepared for the devil and his angels. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. Understand that hell is the inter eternal destination for those who do not obey God. And this is not a story to scare unbelievers or churchgoers to accept Christianity. The Bible earnestly warns us their portion will be the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. Death is appointed. You are no exception. It's appointed for men, for men once to die, and after this, the judgment. You only die once. You can only, you can only accept Christ in this life. Death will be your destiny's door. I hasten myself, but let me summarize somewhat before I close. Two outstanding reasons why we should take this message, not because Len is the person bringing this word to you tonight. Two reasons, and both of them are deaf. Listen to this. You are going to die. That's why you must take this message serious. Death is inescapable. 
as the spiders web, strik, stricky strands that trap the mosquito. We are snared by death and conquered. Across the world, people are dying now. One day, or perhaps today, at the first traffic light, it might be my turn or your turn. You, don't, you know your birthday, but unfortunately, you don't know your death day. Hebrews 9.27 It's appointed for man once to die, and after this comes judgment. There is no better reason to repent, to give your life to Christ, than what is written in 2 Timothy 4.1 Will he will judge the living and the dead at his appearing. But then the good news, they are very good news. You can shake off this somewhat morbid message immediately. Jesus died for you. Victory, victory over death is possible. The Lord Jesus made it possible by his death and by his resurrection from the dead. 1 Peter 2.24 Christ himself bore our sins in his body on the cross. 1 Corinthians 15.3.4 Christ died for our sins. According to the scriptures, he was buried and he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. 1 Corinthians 15, 20 to 23, as in Adam, all die, so in Christ, all will be made alive, but each in his own order. Christ, the first fruits, and after those who are Christ at his coming. 1 Corinthians 15, Verses 55 to 58. I thought, let me read it. It's a call of victory. Verse 55. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin. And the power of sin is the law. But thanks to God, who gives us victory, through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, be immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain. What you are doing in this congregation is not in vain. Jesus is surely coming. We sing it. He will bring his reward. There is no better reason to follow him and be very religious about it. People say, oh, they are so religious. They want to make me religious. Yes, you better be religious about this. My dear listener, you better be religious about this. But God forbid that the fear of hell is the only reason for following Christ. His love manifested on the cross for me 
supersedes all these reasons. I quote something from John Piper. If we come to Christ and all we feel moving us or holding us there is fear, or if we come to Christ and all we feel holding us in his presence are his gifts and not himself, then we are not saved. Close quote. I want to close. And I'm asking your attention. Be not like the rich fool that we reach, read about in Luke. The man who said, I, I have plenty fool, I have produced so much that I will do, I will tear down my bonds, I will make them bigger, and I will say, so you have laid away many, for, so many things for many years to come. Eat, drink, and be merry. The Bible teaches us that it depicts the futility of a belief that wealth and pleasures of this world can secure prosperity or a good life forever. But probably you may say, okay, that O in front of us, I have heard this many a times. And it's easy when you wear a tie and you're in church to say this. But there are some other reliable evidence of this. You see, even the liar speaks truth at his deathbed. A glaze at somebody's deathbed sometimes reveals more than everything you know about that person his entire life. Me, you, when death confronts us, we drop our masks. Yes, it drops. We have, we will face God. In their last moments, many of those who had to admit that they had been building on sand, they had to admit, I was building on sin. I have lived a lie. The Bible says in, verse, in Psalm 90 verse 12, Lord, teach us how, to short, how short our life is so that we may become wise. Elder Huckley asked a very important question and a very interesting thought. How will you live your life if you have to plan it from your deathbed? But I need to signal a warning from the word of God. Don't wait for the 11th hour. You don't know if you will have that opportunity. Many people, and I'm not going to quote them all, I will quote one or two, who have cried out at their deathbed, Hell, hell, 
Hell is what I have to face now. Voltaire, the erstwhile cynic. As far as he was concerned, Christianity was a vanishing phenomenon. He said, 100 years from my day, there will not be a Bible in the earth except one that is looked upon by on museums in curiosity. You can judge for yourself whether it's true. In fact, the place where Voltaire published these words became a center of a Bible society. He died 22, 228 years ago in 1778. His nurse said, and I'm quoting this from a reliable source if you want to have it. For all the money of Europe, I would not like to see the death of another infidel. He cried for forgiveness the whole night. Napoleon's private physician wrote, The emperor is dying lonely and forsaken. His agony is awful. Charles IX from France. I'm lost. I'm lost. I clearly see it. Sir Thomas Scott, President, British House of Lords. Until this moment, I thought there was neither God nor hell. Now I know both are a reality and I am facing damnation. Cesare Borgi, a statesman, said, When I lived, I provided for everything but death. Now I must die, and I'm unprepared to die. How in contrast is this with John Wesley? 225 years ago, his final words were, The best of all is, God is with us. Christ said, it's finished. He said, Father, into thy hands I commit my spirit. Voltaire and other scoffers would have surely laughed at my message in their lifetime. But nonetheless, they had to realize and admit that the Bible is correct in stating in Hebrews 9.27, our text verse, it is appointed to men once to die and after this comes judgment. What will be your last words? What manner are you going to die? There is only one who can save you. And I have to tell you that Jesus said, him who comes to me, I will certainly not cast out. He alone was able to rob death from his gruesome power. Heed the call of a prophet Amos. Prepare to meet your God. John 3 verse 36, and I'm closing. He who put his faith in the Son has hold of life eternal, but he who disobeys, 
the sun shall not, disobeys the sun shall not see that life. God's wrath rests upon him. Why do so many people have peace when they die and others not? Pray with me as we close this message. Father, we might have been members of a church since the age of 16. Lord, we might be in this congregation, attending church and doing all the things on the calendar and the annual program. But Lord, perhaps tonight I have not that certainty. There's still doubt in my heart about my eternal destination. Lord Jesus, tonight I come. We come. We want to say, Lord, we grieve that we have disappointed you. We grieve about our sins, but we thank you for the grace that we have in Jesus Christ. Help me, Lord. Help me. Help us tonight. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.